He's on the North Elmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Tom, how are you? How are you, Tom? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. How you guys doing? We are good. Doing well, dude. Have you driven by the ballpark lately? When's the last time you were down by the ballpark? Yeah, I was at the ballpark on, uh, what's today, Thursday? I yeah. was at the ballpark on Tuesday. Um, we had a Final Four news conference uh, that morning. And so, yeah, I stopped and took a look at the ballpark. <laughs> the ballpark is in pieces right now. Right. Um, there is so much work going on. And I just, I kind of looked at the, uh, there was a bunch of construction workers gathered there by the, you know, by the plaza there, by the left field entrance. And, God, they were moving huge sections of seats in and, you know, there's cranes going and everything was just so busy. I couldn't believe it. And I'm and I'm thinking, goodness gracious, they got like, what, 30 days to get this place ready. So and then the, I noticed the executive offices have been like completely gutted. There's nothing over there. I think you guys probably know that they're working out of a temporary office downtown. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, everything <laughs> everything is in flux down at uh, the corner of kind of. Uh, Carnegie and Ontario. Ontario and Carnegie, yeah. yeah. Uh, the good news is they're moving the home opener to Brazil. So we'll all be in good shape then, and then we can just go down there and check it out there. So. Oh. Yeah. I'm in for baseball at Copacabana Beach. You kidding me? Let's go. There you go. Fun let's stuff. Do it, baby. Let's do it, yeah. Tom, Tom let's start with the Cavaliers. Uh, tough one last night, but showed, yeah. some, showed some flaws. But, I, I, you know, you go in, you make the playoffs, you win your first series, no one's going to remember a double overtime loss to the Bulls. No, true. But I always, you know – Listen, I'll, I'll be the optimistic view here, but, you know, the, the Struce shot, you know, erased some big mistakes down the stretch in that game. Um, now, granted, I thought Darius Garland got tackled at half court, and that should have been a call. Um, you know, Evan Mobley was unable to inbounds the ball there with eight seconds to go, which was a little bit of a troubling sign. And they, you know, frankly kind of staggered out of the gate here after the All-Star break. So, and and then last night was one of those situations that, you know, you see on the schedule, like a back-to-back coming off of an emotional win. That wasn't exactly that surprising. And Chicago's got a pretty good team. I mean, you know, DeRozan can play and they've got some, they've got some good parts. So listen, we're headed to, towards the home stretch here. I think everybody would be very satisfied if I told you before the season that the Cavs would be 20 games over 500, not knowing the circumstances that they were going to have to deal with. So you know, they're in a pretty good place, um, but let's let's be honest. At the end of the day, this is what all that's going to matter this year is how they do in the playoffs and whether or not they can get past a round or two. The only thing that concerned me coming out of that game and was the fact that they got out-rebounded 73 to, to oh 39. Oh, my goodness. That, yeah. was, that was the one because I was like, oh, man, I feel like I'm watching this Knicks series in replay right now. This is mm. not good. No, that's a fair point, Dan. And, and when you saw the way Orlando played them last week, right, which was kind of pulled straight from that Tom Thibodeau notebook. Like, let's be physical with this team. You know, let's push them around and do what we can. Now, you know, the good thing for the Cavs this year is for the most part, they've pushed back, right? Jared Allen has been a a different kind of player this year. Evan Mobley, when he's been on the floor, has shown those moments where he's he's obviously gotten bigger and stronger. You know, you can see it in his shoulders and, and and his arms. Uh, So physically he's coming along. It's just that mental switch that I think sometimes needs to be turned on for him. You know, there's moments where, you know, he still grabs the ball and he's looking to pass it first when you're thinking, boy, I'd love to see him put the ball on the floor and take a power move to the basket and, and challenge somebody, try to dunk on them. You know, I mean, you see that out of Jared Allen every once in a while. So, yeah, it's, you know, listen, uh, and I think we're still trying to figure out, you know, and well, JB's trying to figure out, but as you know, all the, all the armchair co- coaches at home here are trying to figure out what rotations work best. Um, I think the great thing that is that has emerged here, guys, this year is that, Last year, 
this team didn't have any depth. Now they've got almost too much at times. You know, you know, unfortunately you're seeing that Sam Merrill is becoming less and less important, but he may have to emerge he may have to reemerge at some point here. Um, you know, Max Strus the other night, you know, putting on a shooting barrage like he did shows you the depth of this team. And I tell you what, Karis Levert to me, you guys, has been like such an unsung hero for this team all year. Sure are there games where he doesn't shoot well and and doesn't deliver, but you know, there are nights where he's, he's flirting with a, a double-double or a triple-double. He's been a real facilitator, and, and sometimes, frankly, there's, there's times where he seems like he's the only guy that's, that's really trying to make a strong move towards the basket. So, yeah, listen, th- there's still a lot of time left for them to, to figure out, boy, this, this season has all of a sudden accelerated quicker than I expected. So what do you think the biggest thing is that they learned from last year that they'll be able to take into this year? I, for me, you just don't get experience until you get it, right? And so – I got to believe that there's some yeah. hard feelings about last year, about the way just underachieved and going into yeah, that. And a, can they suck that into this year? That's my question. Certainly that's a big part of it, Andy. I think it's also, and listen, I'm going to sound like a coach here for a second, but it's about valuing those possessions, right? It's about really taking care of the ball when it, when it matters most. And, and to your point, Andy, I think that that's the only things that you gain through experience. And, and listen, I, I think every team that we've ever seen that has been on a, you know, a trajectory towards a championship, whether it be a conference championship or the NBA title, has got to go through growing pains. And this team is no different. And I think there are also times where we forget, and I, I catch myself doing this as well, that you forget that Evan Mobley would be a senior in college right now. I mean, the kid is still, you know, learning the game and, and, and learning how to play it at the very highest level. So, um, you know, all things said, I think, you know, this team has already provided some exciting moments this year, and I think we're going to see more to come. Tom Withers, the Associated Press, joining us on the North Upstate Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. I think the other one I took away from yesterday's game that put a smile on my face, Tom, just because we've talked a lot of negative, but here's the positive. Darius Garland looked like Darius Garland yesterday. Like He did. That shot looked good. The finish looked good. Like It looked he like did. it was starting to click finally. Yeah, and I, you know, it's, it's funny you say that, Dan. I noticed that the other night as well um, against Dallas. He was kind of playing with a, a little bit of a different pace. He was playing – a little more of like that that quick Darius Garland fast twitch muscle all over you know flying through the lane looking to looking to pass the ball looking for his shot um, that we haven't seen and I think in fairness to Darius I mean I've I've never broken my jaw but I know a couple people who have that's an awful injury and you know never mind the physical toll that it takes on you and you you know you lose weight and and you can lose some muscle you also lose some confidence. I mean, you know, he broke his jaw in a very routine play, you know, driving to the basket on Porzingis up in in Boston in December. And so I think there's a mental hurdle that he had to overcome as well about, you know, taking the ball inside there against against big guys. I think, you know, he's he's only human, right? He's got to he's got to deal with all those things as well, but I think the thing that struck me Dan more than anything else was that he was playing faster. And I think that's probably coming straight from you know, from, from the coaching staff is like, you know, Darius, do you go out there and, and make things happen? And I think we're seeing, you know, little bits of that here and there now. All right. Uh, let's switch gears over to football for a second. Combine going on in Indianapolis. Um, your thoughts on that, what the Browns should kind of be looking for. I don't know that you can mm. give me a grocery list now because of free agency being first, yeah. but there are that things the Browns everything. will need next year and free agents are going to want to sign that, that are their free agents right now. Yeah, you know, I, I I'm one of these people that kind of and I and I don't go to the combine only because if at the AP we would have to send you know 32 writers, which turns into an exorbitant cost, you know, regardless of what our budget might be. But um, so I kind of keeping an eye on it from afar. I don't put a ton of stock in it. 
Um, I, I think it's a great opportunity for, you know, for the Browns, especially with a, you know, basically a new offensive coaching staff to kind of get together and, and figure things out from that standpoint. You know, hey, we're still dealing with the, the aftermath of the Deshaun Watson trade, so there is not a number one pick. You know, I think they pick, what, 54 is the, is the top pick. I thought it was interesting to hear Andrew Barry say the other day that he doesn't do well with, with money in his pocket, which kind of led me to think that he's, you know, if the, if the right move comes along or the right trade presents itself, that he'd be enticed to make a move out of that spot. You know, to me, guys, they're, the, the, the shopping list begins and ends with wide receiver. I really think they need to make a significant upgrade there, whether that's to, to pair a, you know, a fellow number one, if you want to call him that, with Amari Cooper. But I think they need an upgrade and some more depth there. You know, there were some moments last year where Elijah Moore looked like the Elijah Moore that the Browns were hoping that they would get, but that, that didn't really pan out until Joe Flacco got here. Let's be, let's be quite honest. Uh, the Marquise Goodwin thing, and I know he had some, some, you know, some serious injury issues early on, and, but that really never panned out. Cedric Tillman had a hard time getting on the field early. I think we saw some flashes there. But to me, you know, this is all about Deshaun Watson going forward and surrounding him with the, the right offensive pieces, and I think that begins and ends with wide receiver at least for this draft and this free agency class. So, Tom, they also announced that they are heading back to the Greenbrier and then joint yeah. practices with the Minnesota Vikings. They keep talk, coming back to how important this Greenbrier trip was, and it seems like they're trying to emulate it again. Did does it did it have the impact that they think they'd have? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's interesting, Dan, that, you know, while we were down there, and I was, I was lucky enough to go down for five or six days down to Greenbrier and um, – barely came home. That's for another time. I almost, uh, I took my bike down there and almost collided with a golf cart going about 40 miles an hour. Oh no. Um, on <laughs> down a hill, which was, um, one of the scariest moments of my life anyway. So I've got my own memories. Of Did anybody yell four either side? Yeah, no, no it, was, uh, it was, it was quite a, quite an event anyway. Wow. Um, Sorry to hear that. It was, it, yeah. Thanks. It was, it's all good. Um, it was interesting to hear how as the, as the year unfolded, um, and this started fairly early on, guys, is that players kept referencing back to Greenbrier and, and the bond that they were able to build there. And so that continued just to get reinforced and reinforced. And you could really tell that, you know, and much like this Cavs team, and, and I know that, you know, people kind of sometimes dismiss it, but when you're around players and guys that get along together and you, you, can, you can literally feel it. And we felt that last year, especially in the Browns locker room. And trust me, over the, over the last 25 years here, those years have been few and far between. So there was something genuine about it, Dan. Um, and I think, you know, all those good vibes, you know, led them toward an 11-6 season, despite all the issues they had, despite playing five starting quarterbacks, et cetera, et cetera. So I think they feel like, hey, you know what? That model worked well. We've seen with other teams, uh, you know, the, the sense of, of, of bonding and, and kind of commitment that guys get when they get away from the facility. And I think, I think it's all a good, positive thing. And, um, yeah, I'm going to talk to my boss later today about, <laughs> about booking a room in July now. Hey, remember when I didn't need to go to Indy? Well, now I kind of think I need to go to Greenberg. <laughs> but you may yeah, also I, need to put some money away to go to Brazil. Well, and the, yeah, no kidding. But the great thing about, you know, those kinds of situations, too, from a media standpoint, guys, is that we do get, we do get great access. And it's a, you know, it's an opportunity where, um, you know, it's very different talking to a guy in a locker room in Berea midweek than it is to sit outside in the sunshine in West Virginia in July and get to know people. And, you know, still at the heart of my job is, is relationship building and, and gaining trust of whether it's a coach or a front office member or a player. 
And so, you know, those things are valuable for me. And I, I, I never overlook those opportunities to try to, you know, make my job a little bit easier by getting to know these people. So, Tom, I, I thought it was interesting because Dan and I were talking about this before. The NFLPA mm-hmm. comes out with these grades for franchise organization. Yeah. And Kevin Stefanski, and it was it, my son actually brought it up to me yesterday. He was like, what do you think of this, Dad? And I was like, well, what do you mean? And I go, what kind of grade did Kevin get? He goes, B, B minus. I go, okay, that's good. There's nothing yeah. wrong with a B. He goes, Dad, look at the list. Look how far down he is on the list. 28th. And I was like, wow. I, I don't know. I just, yeah. I didn't expect that. What was your reaction? Well, I don't, you know, I don't know how, you know, did it say how many players voted? Did it say, you know, who, you know, did somebody, you know, somebody got an ax to grind? Did they give him an F? Did that balance out with the A that he got from Nick sure. Chubb? You know, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know exactly how that thing was, you know, presented to the players or what have you. I don't. I don't put a heck of a lot of stock in it, guys. I mean, listen, they got a D or whatever for facilities, and then you walk in over in Berea, and you're like, okay, there's their cryotherapy chamber, and there's their, uh, you know, their 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 posh, this that or the other. So they I were know, out of Grey Poupon the last time listen, I was there. I was yeah, so we, dis- listen, I'm so all dis- the recliners were filled. Oh, I had to sit on to the floor. You, right. I don't have to tell you guys, we live in a different world than than the the modern professional athletes. So, um, you know, I think they've got all the amenities that they need to make a good run at the AFC North title next year. All right, Tom. So then let's, uh, well, wait, we never got a reaction from you. Did you, uh, what do you think of the Browns possibly going to Brazil? Do you think that's something that's on the table? And do you think that's something that's good for the league? I do know that it's on the table and um, they have not heard yet officially, but it is obviously a very strong possibility as it was, presented to me so yeah i think you know listen we you know we've seen this with the nfl they're they're they've tapped into that global marketplace and whether that's in uh dusseldorf or in in rio they want to expand the game and they want to use these opportunities to to grow the game internationally you know i don't know if in our lifetimes guys we will see a team based in london or or you know wherever else you want to say in europe or in south america but um, yeah, I think it is good. I think it's interesting. I, you know, hey, again, you know, traveling to West Virginia is one thing, and then heading down to Sao Paulo is, is an entirely different thing. So I think it would be kind of cool, um, you know, from a selfish standpoint. I don't know if I'd be making that trip. That would be probably, um, you know, something that the, the, the AP would have to consider in terms of, you know, cost cutting and what have you. So, but yeah, I do think it's good. I, you know, I, I don't want to put too much travel on a team's plate, though. Um, you know, you saw. And the Browns were able to, to navigate this. I mean, they made some, they made a lot of trips last year, right? And they had a, you know, beginning with, uh, you know, West Virginia, and then you know the Canton Hall of Fame thing. And I know that's a short trip, at least for the Browns. But then they had the West Coast thing, and we all saw that that didn't go very well, even though they stayed out in LA for a week. So, you know, by and large, I, I think it's a good positive thing, not only for the Browns or for the NFL if they do play in Brazil. All right, quickly, got about a minute left here. Just your general yeah. thoughts on the Guardians as we get closer to the season, and just you know, it's it, for me, Tom. It's weird because like you look at power rankings, they're like twentieth, twenty. But you know yeah. what? That might put them uh, that might put them in second place in the AL Central. And just, let's look yeah. and see what Arizona did last year. So I mean, hope isn't lost early the way it used to be when I was young. But it's no, just I, it's interesting going into this thing. I agree with you, you know, and listen, I, I think, you know, for me, you know, one of the big, you know, not a telltale sign, but something I'm going to watch closely is, you know, Shane Bieber's first outing is coming up this weekend. And um, I think it'll be interesting to see if he does get that uptick in velocity, because, 
we all know here it's hey it's to me it's going to start and end with this pitching staff and the health of this pitching staff you know people want to talk about last year which i believe what 76 and 86 they ended you know without having tristan mckenzie and and shane bieber essentially in the rotation for the majority of the season so you know we can we can talk all we want about this team needing a power hitting outfielder and they do need one there's no question about it um and they got to find a way to to you know create more runs but I think with this, with a, a new manager in Stephen Vogt, that yeah, there's there's all kinds of reasons to be optimistic and to be hopeful. And as you mentioned, Andy, you know, anytime you're playing in the AL Central, you've got more than a fighting chance. So um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see the way that that Vogt handles this staff. I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the mistakes that Vogt you know makes early on and, and has to make make corrections for them. I think they do have some interesting pieces in this lineup, and he's going to have to figure out a way to to put it together to maximize what they have without having, you know, that, that big bopping bat. So, and, and I'll be honest with you guys, I've been keeping an eye too on some of those free agents that are still kind of working out there and wondering whether or not they make a move at some point. Um, so yeah, keeping an eye on them. And um, you know, the, the good thing guys is despite the, the snowfall we had this morning, that spring is on the way and that always, that always breeds optimism and, uh, and, and hope. So close. Thank you, Tom. Always appreciate your time. You're the man. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, guys. All right, we'll take, talk to you soon. Care. Tom Withers from the Associated Pro- Associated Press. It's not news until Tom Withers says so. He was on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Time now for a 2020 with Andrew Rody.